Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. by no one's demand but our own and from our home office in beautiful, sunny, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by Tennessee Tickets, powered by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. As you can tell, the draft is over. I have a ton more energy because my life is not enveloped by prospects who may or may not end up on the Tennessee Titans, but now the craziness has concluded, and we have brought for you, brought forth some of the best analysis in the business with our friend Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation. Crushes all things NFL draft. He will join us, and we will go pick by pick. Well, you'll see when we go pick by pick, but we'll go pick by pick later on with Michael Kist of Bleeding Green. Then... Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham, the A to Z Sports Morning Show, weekdays 8 a.m. on Facebook Live and on Periscope. The boys join me because it's my dating anniversary. We discuss the merits of whether or not a one-year anniversary in dating warrants the actual term anniversary. Stick around. It's a fun discussion. You get your football fix on the front end. You get whatever the hell it is we did on the back end. Look forward to all of those things coming up today on the 615 Sessions Podcast. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by ADC Sports, ADC Sports Nashville.com. It has been too long, far too long, since our dear friend Michael Kist of Breeding Bleeding Green Nation, not Breeding Green, Bleeding <laughs> Green Nation, the Scout Academy, and of course the award-winning BGN Radio Podcast, the Kist and Solak Show, all of these things overtaking the internet. Michael Kist, our brother, bald and beautiful, returns to the pod. Welcome back, buddy. They had a quick stumble on the intro there, but you recovered nicely. I appreciate the praise, Buck. How you doing, brother? I just sloppy and out of sorts, <laughs> and the draft has totally discombobulated me. I, I've been talking too much when there's absolutely nothing fucking talk about, Mike, and so yeah. I'm just stumbling all over myself. But now, finally, we have something of substance that we can sink our teeth into and also probably bother you a little bit with based on how the Tennessee Titans draft just kind of fell to them at the uh, at the almost to the detriment of the Philadelphia Eagles we'll spend plenty of time on Christian Fulton and uh, and your reaction to Jalen Hurts 
as a uh, as a diehard lover of the Eagles and somebody whose draft analysis I value. Let's start though with let's just go pick by pick. We'll make it, or at least let's yeah. go pick by pick with the top guys. And then if we want to spend some time on Cole McDonald in particular, I think I would be interested to gain your insights on the latest Hawaiian quarterback connection that we have here. But Isaiah Wilson, in the first round, probably not ideal to find him there sitting, but based on the fact that Jordan Love went 18 to the Packers, they traded up to get Aaron Rodgers' replacement, kind of neutered any leverage that John Robinson would have to trade out of 29. They go with the big tackle out of Georgia, seems to need some refinement with this play. They seem to be pretty set on the offensive line. Can, as somebody who probably remembers the work of Dennis Kelly, can Isaiah Wilson supplant Dennis Kelly as the starting right tackle come whenever the hell week one is? Yeah, I don't know if it's week one. Um, I don't know if it's week eight, possibly by the by the end of the season. Isaiah Wilson, I think you mentioned it, refinement is the key for him. This is a guy who's a, a highly recruited guy coming out of high school, started a lot of games at, at Georgia, has, has a good amount of experience, but always kind of leaned on those physical traits that allowed him to be dominant in flashes, but never kind of rounded out his game. So obviously, you know, you, you've got like a, a mold of clay that that's really, really attractive, but you wonder why, you know, he went those years at Georgia and really didn't get too much better in his technique. I mean, it, it's interesting with him because I, I don't know if he's athletic enough for what Tennessee wants to do. I think there's just enough there. And I think he's enough of a mauler to work really well in the run game. Obviously he's a huge dude. He packs a punch. He's plenty powerful. That's, that's not the question with him. I do worry about his refinement as a pass blocker, his footwork, uh, his, his hands, a, a lot of that needs work. And I think the main thing that you're going to see from him early on, his feet are really heavy. And he knows he's got to get out and, and really like get to the edge and kind of limit that arc to the quarterback. And I think what's going to happen there is he's going to be working so hard to do that that he's going to be really susceptible to inside counters and, and things of that nature. So that's something to watch for. Uh, it was interesting. When I, I was doing a, a radio hit for, for a show in uh, Nashville. Oh, boys on the midday day, 180. We can give some free shout-outs. That's okay. There. Okay, excellent. Yeah, was, uh, Paul, Paul Kaharski before the show asked me, he's like, hey, what do you think of Isaiah Wilson? And I was like, I don't know. I gave him like an early third-round grade. I think there's, uh, I think he's, a, he's an attractive development prospect. He goes, well, what about it at the end of the first round? I'm like, who's talking about him at the end of the first round? And he goes, well, that's what I'm hearing now. And this is, this is like a few weeks ago. I'm like, well, that just seems kind of crazy to me. So that's like the raw like, you know, uh, uncut analysis of what I thought w- with Wilson, you know, early third round tape and maybe with some developmental upside, you, you can push him into the second round. But like these tackles don't last when you need them in the NFL. So you hope that you can get them coached up and, and get them ready to eventually by the end of the year, hopefully be the starter, possibly early year two would probably be the best outlook uh, without without getting your quarterback killed. So I think he's going to be a plus in the run game, but the pass game needs a lot of work for Wilson. Yeah, this isn't like the Philly media market, Michael. We don't have a knife to each other's throats. They come on the podcast, I go on the radio show. It's all love. It's all good, brother, down here in Music City. It's okay. We don't hate each other the way that you people do. I don't know. It sounds like a terrible way to live, to be completely honest, but I feel like you guys thrive off of it. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, we live in the trash in Philadelphia when it comes to the, the, the rivalries and the unspoken rivalries and everything like that. So I'm always careful. I never know who hates who. So I just try to play it safe. Oh, well, I mean, I think we you you and I known each other long enough, at least to be at interview settings that we both hate plenty of people. And so it's just exactly. how much how much less do you hate one person as opposed to another? That's just kind of the filter that we go through these things. But it's all right. It's it's uh, no, we love the guys on midday. All three of them have been guest co-hosts here on the pod and we're grateful to them for it. Uh, but the Isaiah Wilson mock drafts mean almost nothing without educated guessing, and all of it is really, at the end of the day, educated guessing. But that's who I mocked to the Titans at 29 prior to the draft, just because I knew what they thought of him after the combine, and they had very limited interaction with him in the interim, just FaceTime visits. But based on the based on how quickly the top tackles went and then what the disparity of drop-off or the drop-off of offensive line talent was – then the Jets not taking a tackle after Isaiah Wilson until much later in the second round. I think they kind of read it as best they could. And I think, I mean, what you basically described to the audience, Michael, is Jack Conklin. This is somebody who was not athletic right. enough, truly, to be in the scheme that they run here in, uh, in Nashville with Arthur Smith and the outside zone concepts and getting the big guys out into space and on the move. Uh, they did well with the strength coach here, Frank Pereno, to kind of reform Jack Conklin you talk about fat offensive linemen being mold uh, shapes or uh, molds of clay I think this is kind of the same vision that they have ultimately for Isaiah Wilson and maybe it's not a perfect fit maybe it's not the most over-the-top athletic guy but they have made it work with Jack Conklin I think they believe they can do the same with Isaiah Wilson within this scheme with a little work yeah, and they knew how to protect Conklin too. When Conklin was a rookie, I mean, he got he got a ton of help, and I think that that continued uh, as well. They, they understand, you know, where the weaknesses lie, how they can help the alignment with chips and quick passing game, and, and and so on and so forth. So that's not really an issue for me. Like and like you kind of mentioned, we knew these top offensive tackles were going to go fast, and we knew that there was a disparity between tier one, tier two, and then an, another disparity between tier two and tier three. And I would put Wilson in that tier two. So with the offensive tackles that were gone, you know, you kind of worry about a reach there, but whether you take him, you know, at, at, at 29, 30, 31, or if you take him at 50, if he works out, he works out, he works out. It really doesn't matter. So I, I understand why they took him. obviously just raising the concerns of what to look for when he gets to the NFL, what could hold him back at least early in his development and how he can thrive. If he thrives, it'll be because, you know, he works on the little things that kind of got away from him in college, you know, getting with the right offensive line coach should help him with that. You would hope so anyway. So let's say let's set the scene for the people. It's day two of the uh, NFL draft. The clock is ticking <laughs> down. Fifty-three overall on the board is approaching. The Philadelphia Eagles have needs in the secondary that they need to address. And for whatever the hell reason, Christian Fulton, the corner out of LSU, is still on the board. The Eagles come up. They make the pick. It's quarterback Jalen Hurts. And Michael Kist's immediate reaction on social media is what? F F F F F what the F that's that's basically <laughs> no, it's okay buddy we're on the I, internet you can drop a couple bucks if you want it's a, it's whatever you're most comfortable with I don't want to put you in a bad spot but you can say what you like here it's just like motherfucker what are we doing like <laughs> how 
like that that was nothing that I, I don't think anybody saw coming and like people are trying to like rationalize this pick a thousand different ways and even Howie Roseman like the Eagles weren't supposed to have a press conference until the draft was over again like after the seventh round and everything like that and you pick up the UDFAs he talked to the media they pick Hertz and all of a sudden there's an impromptu press conference because they have to explain this shit to people and they did a pretty poor job of it and the reasons that they gave were kind of wild I I think we all understand the reason but they can't say it. And how he kind of said it a little bit better today with some coded language saying that they have to protect the quarterback position. They have to protect the fan base and whatnot. Well, uh, bottom line, Carson Wentz may get fucking injured, but like, I feel better about Carson Wentz's health this year than I at this point this year than I did last year. Cause he had the, the back injury and whatnot. He gets through 16 games this year. The concussion isn't like related to anything. Like he took a shot to the brain his brain went to oatmeal, was coming out of his ears. Like, that happens in the NFL. It wasn't a season-ending injury that was connected to anything else. Like, it sucks for him. He couldn't see. He was having, like, dizzy spells in, in the locker room and whatnot. Like, that's some scary shit. But, like, he also doesn't have a history of concussions either. So, I, I think this is just, like, a one-time thing or whatever. But, like, this is about having the backup position. Now, the the the, the way I have a problem with it is the, the, the way I think the Eagles see this is that they think – the way that they approached the backup position in the past, especially with Nick Foles in 2017. That was a lateral move for a veteran quarterback that was going from an Andy Reid system to a Doug Peterson system, and Doug Peterson came from an Andy Reid system. Like, that full stop, that's what it was. You got yourself a cheap veteran backup. Don't think you're so smart that you thought that that dumb luck, that outlier, is something that you can recreate. And I think that's what they think they're doing here. I think they're, they think they're a, a fucking quarterback factory, which is Howie's words, that they can somehow recreate that. It's just, it's not happening. That was, that was a one-off. Even Nick Foles hasn't even come close to recapturing anything close to that kind of magic. So the, the process for me wasn't all that great. I like Jalen Hurts as a player. I really, really do. And I think this is around the area in which he should have went. I don't think it's a scheme fit. I'm concerned with how they're going to justify that type of compensation, that type of draft capital for a backup quarterback, because this is a great question asked by Shield Kapati, and I love the, the Philly media. They really nailed Howie with some good questions they had, they had problems with. And Shield asked, what's the best-case scenario for this? Well, they can't answer that straight up, because the best-case scenario for Jalen Hurts is the worst-case scenario for the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Right. And that's if he gets hurt. And Hurts can come in and, and, and do the folds thing or, or whatever they think. So it was really weird. And like you said, Christian Fulton was on the board, and that was the guy that I wanted. And I, and I wasn't surprised that he fell into the second round. We had heard that the NFL wasn't as high on him, and he'd probably get to the second. But at the same time, like, that's who I wanted. And then Albert Breer yesterday puts out an article saying, you know, if it wasn't Hurts at 53, it would have been Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois, who I freaking love. Love that guy. And they have that need at safety. So I thought CB2, strong safety slash free safety, whatever you want to call them, that was much more of a pressing need. And they had really good players on the board that they could have taken. Instead, they went with an insurance policy that may not get 10% of the snaps this year. So that part befuddled the hell out of me. It didn't make a lot of sense to a variety of people. By the way, Jimmy Kemsky, I, I think is how I pronounce his last name, with the quarterback factory drawing is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen on social media. This man is an artist and truly needs to be celebrated on much larger platforms for all of his good did work. You, did you see uh, 
Did you see, uh, I voiced it over and I put like a how it's made music to it. I'll send it to you. Oh no, I retweeted it. Don't worry. I'm listening. I'm oh, all yeah, over. Okay. I, I, I have, I have kind of, for this, for this week only, I have kind of indoctrinated <laughs> myself into the Philadelphia Eagles media core just to see what kind of shit you all are spewing on a regular basis after this draft. Cause I think on the whole, right on the whole, you liked their draft and we won't get into the nuts and the bolts of, of too much Eagles stuff here, but I think on the whole, you liked what they did outside of the Jalen hurts spot, not making much sense at all. Yeah. And I think the fan base kind of feels that way too. Like when you look at the different polls that you put out there for the, for the, uh, for the fans, it's like anywhere from a B to a C grade. And it really hinges on how you feel about the Hertz pick. If you hate the Hertz pick, it's a C. If you like it, it's a B. Like Jalen Rager, I thought was a solid selection at thir- at, at twenty one. Uh, maybe they could have gone with Justin Jefferson. Maybe they, I, I think they tried to trade up for Ceedee Lamb, and they and they got cock blocked in that in that manner. The Falcons haven't never traded back with Dimitrov there, so it's going to be hard to get a sixteen. But like. Rager's a good player is going to help the offense. And then in day three, I thought they fucking crushed it. So it's really just that those day two picks that, that were really confusing. And you're right, Philadelphia media is awesome because guys like when, when the Eagles do something stupid, somebody like Les Bowen is like, that's his wheelhouse. Jimmy Kemsky will put up something of like MS Paint. Shield will ask the hard questions. Like there's a whole range of characters there ready to shit down. And, and it's funny because – and, and last thing on this, but like how he said after the after the pick, they had the press conference. How he said nobody is going to be asking for a rookie quarterback to take snaps from a Pro Bowl quarterback. And let me f-ing tell you, <laughs> at that at that same moment that he was doing that, the guy running the ship over at ninety four WIP, which is like their flagship station, is Joe Giglio. And Joe Giglio is one of the biggest once detractors that you will find. And what do you think he was f-ing doing? He was going right to town with this thing trying to say questions about and, and you know he's not wrong he's not wrong to ask those questions because you took a fucking quarterback at 53 but that's exactly what was as how he was saying it wasn't happening that's exactly what was happening in philadelphia media for moment one oh, it's just crazy it makes it makes me so happy and i'm honestly jealous like we <laughs> we do we do have we do have a solid media core here in nashville i think on the whole it's much smaller obviously with the titans being what they are in comparison to the scale of the Eagles, but it's nothing, it's nothing quite like this. I mean, it's just so over the top and so much fun to watch from afar. <laughs> and it, I, you know, I get to live vicariously through the Philadelphia media and I enjoy each and everything that I see being put out on a regular basis now, uh, because the creativity is what the creativity and just the pure spite of it is what sets it apart. And those are both things, Michael, that I'm here for. So I can appreciate this in its truest art form. Let's talk quickly though, because I do have, I do have Ryan Tannehill and Kevin Byard zoom calls coming up here in 10 minutes that I honestly forgot about. Let's talk quickly about, yeah, let's talk about Christian Fulton, the corner out of LSU. The most recent film on him is him getting savaged in the national championship game why should not why should titans fans not fear that yeah i wouldn't necessarily worry too much about that game i actually thought he was in solid position at some places and he gets knocked like for like a guy he can't play at the catch point and whatnot like the guy got got by like some a couple of six five wide receivers one at texas a colin johnson and the other one in in, in, in uh, t higgins and all that so it's it's whatever other than that his tape is f-ing fantastic. And if, and if you want to look at that, just a quick sell on Fulton here, why I like him so much. This is one of the most patient, confident corners in the draft. If you need to know why, go to the Alabama game. Christian Fulton runs a 4 Henry Ruggs runs a 4 Ruggs won a couple. 
Fulton never panicked in this game, stayed on top of him for about 95% of the time, zero panic, just like stayed with him, wasn't stressed. He's, he's so good at trusting his athleticism, trusting his technique. I think he's going to translate instantly to the NFL and going to be an instant contributor for the Tennessee Titans. So I think it's a steal at 61. I don't know why the NFL wasn't as high on him as like guys and me and other draft analysts were, but I, I think we're fucking wrong. So there you go. I think that's that's a. I mean, listen, and that doesn't mean that the NFL's fucking right at the end of the day. Like this is the thing that people right. mix up. But this is this is a larger conversation for another day when we have much more time to bitch about the cover, the, the league that we cover. <laughs> Darrington Evans, yeah. the running back out of Appalachian State, his best skill set will be supplementing what Derrick Henry does not do well here, which is anything particularly on third down, pass catching and versatility. What can they expect? How much of an how much of a dimension of the uh, of the the offense will be unlocked by having Darrington Evans on the roster. Yeah, I saw him during like the college like all stars like showcase game practices and everything like that. Now, and he immediately jumped out. I I didn't see him beforehand, but I, I saw a guy just blur past me. I was like, oh, who's that? And it was Evans. And Evans has got some serious juice. Now he needs a lot of work in terms of like making the right reads and decision making and, and, and vision and whatnot coming out of App State there. But you're right. I mean, this is a thunder and lightning type of thing. If he gets a lane, he is absolutely gone. I like the fit with the Tennessee system. Uh, obviously, this feels like the, the Deion Lewis uh, role, basically. So I really like to pick it at 93rd overall. I don't mind the value. I'm not a big, you know, pick a running back guy. But, like, at 93, who cares? I think Evans is going to come in and uh, and be good right away. The Deion Lewis role has so long been uh, the sacrificial screen pass on third and 12 in this offense. <laughs> right. But, you know, this is a conversation, again, for another day. Uh, Lorel Murchison, the <laughs> defensive lineman in the fifth round out of North Carolina State. They had two picks in the seventh. Cole McDonald, the quarterback out of Hawaii. And Chris Jackson, corner safety hybrid out of Marshall, uh, the Titans fans are a little pissy. One, because the person who turned Carson Wentz's brain into oatmeal, Jadavion Clowney, is who they want first and foremost. But without Jarrell Casey yeah. on the roster, Lorel Murchison doesn't really fill that role or anywhere close to it. What at his best can he be? I didn't watch him, Buck. I'm gonna be one I'm gonna keep it a buck and tell you I did not watch Murchison. I think I saw him in the in the in the showcase circuit, but like I did not break down his film. Can we talk about Cole McDonald, though? Uh, yes, we <laughs> can, and that's why I appreciate the kind of honesty in this draft analysis. One, one, of my, one of my favorites, Michael Kist of the Bleeding Green Nation of the Kist and Solak Show. Anyway, you can follow him on social media at Michael Kist NFL. He's one of the best in the business, and this is exactly why. Because he'll, he'll at least tell you if he doesn't have an opinion on a guy because he hasn't watched him. This is, this is of the utmost value. Honesty around here. Cole McDonald. Hawaii system is unconventional at best. He was saying that his he had was uh, really looking up to Marcus Mariota for obvious reasons. Marcus being the most prominent pro uh, player in the uh, arguably the history of Hawaii. Cole McDonald has talked to us about refining or making his throwing motion more efficient, and has been doing drills to do so, sending them to the sending videos to the Titans of what he is working yeah. on. Uh, Cole McDonald, can he push for a QB2, or is it going to be the Logan Woodside show with just none of us are really looking forward to? I think uh, Cole can definitely push, and he was actually who I was thinking the Eagles would target in day three of the draft, if not as a UDFA, but like in round seven where the Titans got him. And I, I love Cole. Uh, coming into the season, 
I was really hyped to see what he would do this year. Now, he started out the season, first game, he threw four touchdowns, four interceptions, got benched. But, but like, he came back, and, like, at the end of the season, I think, like, the last four games was, like, seven touchdowns, maybe even one interception. In the bowl game, it's third and one and with a minute 30 left, and he doesn't take the easy check down. He takes the honey hole shot. 40 yards down the field and then rips one down the seam in the next play, like 13 seconds you're in the end zone. Cause this guy just doesn't give a shit. He's got huge balls. He's super tough. We'll see if the throwing motion can really get cleaned up. He's got that big looper when he gets into the, into the real fire and gets under pressure. We'll see what happens with that because we heard that so many different times with Blake Bortles with his motion. And it still sucked. Uh, but Cole is fearless, tough, Awesome dude. Uh, has a lot of experience in that run-and-shoot offense with convertible routes and whatnot. So he's a smart dude that can read defenses post-snap. I, re- I really like it. it with, with the right situation, I think this is a really good situation for him. I think he could definitely be a QB2 in the league and at the very least provide a ton of excitement during preseason games. He's going to throw eight touchdowns, eight interceptions in the f-ing preseason, and I'm going to watch every second of it. Oh, I just wish he could have done it all while having blonde dreads and truly be the hero that Nashville <laughs> deserves. Michael Kist is all. <laughs> Also fearless, tough, and an all-around awesome dude. Again, at Michael Kist NFL, SB Nation, BGN Radio, uh, the Scout Academy, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast is overtaking all of the podcast charts near you. You can get it at BGN Radio. Michael Kist, my dear friend, always a pleasure to have you on and to discuss things that we know and that we don't know because all of these things are relevant to our conversations. Buddy, I appreciate the time. Exactly, but I'll talk to you soon, man. Take it easy. <laughs> Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, recorded style, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Austin and Zach of A to Z Sports in the morning, kind enough to give me some of their insight because we have something very, very important to discuss. We have to discuss the merits of what actually warrants the term anniversary when it comes to relationships. I, today, on the day that we are taping this podcast, Tuesday, April the 28th, it is my one-year dating anniversary with my loving and wonderful girlfriend, if she's listening to this. Zach does not believe that one year of dating constitutes the term anniversary. Austin is here as the married conciliary to push back on all things anti-anniversary, and I need some guidance from both sides. It's like having the angel and the devil on my shoulder here today on the 615 Sessions. Boys, I appreciate the time. Well, I think it's funny. Uh, April 28th, last year, the NFL draft in Nashville ended the 27th. So whatever happened during the draft, you guys just decided to, yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah. Hot, nasty post-draft sex. That's what's what they did. It, <laughs> okay. it was incredible. But wow. this Things is- <laughs> are getting hot and heavy. <laughs> I know. It really came out there uh, guns a-blazing. Ah, listen, I got nothing to hide. But yes, it was. Uh, it was. After so, the- how did you make it official? All right, so let's 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 rewind a little bit. Did you actually say, "Look, will you be my girlfriend?" Or was it just assumed? Was it discussed? Did it just organically happen? And all of a sudden, you know, you went to a wedding together. How, how did that happen? So it was at the time we had been talking for a the better part of a month at that point. 
And it was a situation where we went to the ESPN draft show that I was going to do with our friends, Jason Fitz and Mina Kimes and Mike Golick Jr. And I said, how do you want me to introduce you? Do I say this is my girlfriend or this is a friend of mine? This is where things became tricky. This is how I backed myself into a corner that I now find myself in a year later. Well, I can't wait to hear her response because there's really only one true response. She's going to knife me after she hears all of this. I uh, so we we did the we did the draft. She was here for that weekend. We discussed, you know, what is what is it exactly that are that we are doing? Do we want to make this thing uh, any kind of official? Does there need to be a tag? on us as a couple to make it an official relationship. And at that point, we decided, yes, that would be the best thing to do. See, I thought she was going to say, well, you know, introduce me however you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes the most sense right now because she's going to be standing there. You're going to have to make the decision. That See, I, that's the approach that I expected. But I'm glad you guys came to the conclusion and figured out exactly what you guys were. Well, Listen. I'll say this one thing. I, I just went to your uh, Facebook personal page, and it still says you're single. And uh, you have not been single for one well, year. That was exactly. a great podcast there, Bucks. Thanks for That is a very important thing to point out. But, I mean, hey, you can't say you've been on Facebook, and you can't say you haven't been on Facebook. Yeah, you kind of live on Facebook. Facebook. There is no excuse. no excuse. But I don't really live on my personal Facebook account. Like, do you guys change? your relationship status on facebook on I've changed my profile pictures it's like 2017 like i, I uh well i got married so yes I, I i got engaged i got married so yes i changed my well, that's because there are legal yeah. binding documents that you now have to adjust to your <laughs> to your public and personal profiles it's, oh my it's so like societal pettiness of like well you haven't changed your profile picture huh <laughs> <laughs> I haven't changed mine in almost two years. And you know who went and looked that up? Married guy. Married guy sniffed me out. Well done by you. I thought it was funny. That's because when we were in like high school, college, right out of college, that was what it was Facebook official, right? I haven't haven't heard the term Facebook official uh, probably in like four or five years from other people uh, ever since uh, my wife and I became Facebook official. Well, we're getting away from the the main meat of the conversation. What justifies the term anniversary? I said today when we had our A to Z sports morning meeting, as is our custom, I said today is myself and Dara's one-year anniversary. Zach made a face like he smelled something bad. Austin reacted as any normal person would, which which was, oh, what you know, what are you going to do? I'm at, no, really? no, you asked us careful what do now, I get? careful, careful, <laughs> because today is the anniversary. This is the get don't the hell put out me. Of here. I, I'm just saying, get the hell out of here. Yeah, you tried to say like I came out like uh, completely opposing. No, I or, tried to position the conversation uh, in a way that wouldn't get all of our get get I'm all of us saying, in in I, great trouble. I, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here to make sure that I am in, no. in showing the correct light. I'm well represented. Well, and you asked, and you shall receive because I googled it real quick, and I gave you a great idea: a custom 3D photo tower, Chris keepsake with the addition of an led light base and you could have gone that route because that was the first thing that i i clicked on so i'm giving you options right we're here to help 
It's true. I called because I wanted to know what one gets for a one-year dating anniversary. These are the things. This is uh, We're putting it all out there. Fine. It's public. Let my, sh- let my shame be known. If we're going to be transparent, I should, at least, I should at least put that much effort in. I want to clarify. I'm not anti-anniversary. Dating anniversary, I believe, you know, it means less. Like if Austin said, hey, you know, he's married, man. If he said, hey, I've got my one-year anniversary coming in or my two-year or my five-year, 10-year, whatever it is, then I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, this is special. This is big, right? But dating anniversary just seems like it's just – it's it's less – important i mean it is less important but but it's like it's like when you're in high school the prom is freaking huge and the prom is everything right but after that it's like that didn't matter at all you know it's 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 that it's where you are in your stage and buck is at the prom right now and the one year anniversary (laughs) of dating is now buck's prom Oh, so so now what what does one what does one go to the prom with other than a very, very nice corsage like outside of the flowers? How do I determine what is worthy of one year anniversary or, you know, do it? Does it become cheapened because the nature of a one year dating anniversary is inherently cheaper than like a one year wedding anniversary? I, I, I think I have the solution. This is what I would do. And look, I've been in a long term relationship before. I've never been married, but been in five, seven year relationship. before. One year dating anniversary I think, and this is weird because of the damn coronavirus, so you can't really do it. But I think custom is you make dinner. Is you make well, you you take her out to a nice dinner and then you get her flowers, right? That I think is a good gesture of a dating anniversary. Now, a marriage anniversary, you're gonna have to step your game up a little bit. You're gonna have to get a present. This is a success, right? A lot of trips. In today's in today's age, a lot of people don't even make it to their one year anniversary after marriage, right? So this is a success. You one year in, dating is kind of like, well, this is a reason. As Buck said, this is just another reason to have sex, right? Like this is a great opportunity to do something nice and you know enjoy the night. But it is, but it does. One year of dating makes it feel very serious, does there it is, not? Because it's there the is time. It's it's the first like significant milestone of okay, we've been uh, this you know couple for one year. That's something. That is a milestone of we are at this certain level of a relationship. It's like us. We just recently had actually the three of us had our one year anniversary prior to Dara and I having our one year anniversary. Would you then cheapen our relationship by discrediting I, our A to Z sports one year anniversary? Yes, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Easily, I worked with our previous employer. Our previous employer used the to give three us, of us. <laughs> a, a, a certificate for each year. I demand my certificate. That's I want my certificate acknowledging my efforts to contribute to this organization. I Where is my edible arrangement? Where is my certificate? I demand these things. Your Here's certificate was you asks that you have to. Do. <laughs> Your certificate was you resharing the broadcast where we introduced you, where I was like a, looking like a little chubby fat kid, and you calling me out on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> no, there's there's your <laughs> certificate. And I, look, I understand from a woman's perspective, it's different than a man's, right? So I don't want to downplay that. Like that means probably, I would assume, the one year dating anniversary would mean more to the woman than the men it's not every i mean i i i think you know we are my wife and i are about to have our sixth year from our first date 
like that first date that that day is always going to be there for something because it was the start of the rest of our lives that we didn't realize it at that point. So I think the first this April 28th for you, Buck, wherever your relationship goes, if if you guys make it and you ride off in the sunset, you will always have April 28th as a special day, just like we have our first date. You start stacking days though. Now you got you got first date date. Then you got anniversary if they get married. You got Valentine's Day. You got all these dates that you're stacking up, which is look, I'm not saying it's bad, but now it's an excuse to Go out like, and order extra, the custom 3D photo tower crystal keepsake. Just extra holidays to That's, celebrate. I mean, look, it might. Yeah, sure. I don't care. Well, and it, it, it comes down for to, extra sex, I guess. You know, it comes you down to personal preference and how often you're getting laid. All of these things about, matter It's very, all about the much. mindset and how you approach certain situations. If you approach it positively, then you'll get a positive result. It's not all about sex, Zach, you pig. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> we need a whole other conversation. About this. But uh, uh, look, a physical relationship is also important just as an emotional relationship. Correct? Yeah. Right, it takes two to tango. So, no, you're absolutely right, and we are discussing at this point the merits of what actually warrants the term anniversary or non-anniversary. Is it just a day that you commemorate? You have a nice dinner, you get flowers. Does that actually warrant anniversary? Or if by speaking it into existence and dating somebody who is naturally inclined to be a gift giver, which I'm very grateful for. It's a very thoughtful individual. It also requires me to up the ante in yes. terms of my thoughtfulness. And you, and you have to. In a you way that to. I am not prepared for. And I have been uh, been efforting over the course of this year that we have spent very happily together. These are the things that must be debated and discussed. Yeah, I, I think I think for you, like if you were approaching, you know, talking to us or you know, a group of guy friends, you say, I'm going out to dinner with my girlfriend since we've been dating for a year. But when you talk to your girlfriend, this is our one year anniversary. Yes. Right. So it's I think there's a sales job with that of what it truly signifies. I think it's downplayed because it's dating. It doesn't necessarily mean nothing. Well, but, I think it's it's in retrospect. In retrospect, uh, the dating anniversary date is not as celebrated as the wedding anniversary date. So, I mean, it's once you have both, then you weigh how you celebrate each. But this is all Buck's got. Buck's got one year in, and so this is you got <laughs> you got to treat it properly. And you called it a six month dating anniversary. This would be a completely different conversation. Nobody's <laughs> brought up six months. One year is fine. One year is respectable. That's legit. Well, and here, here is where the, the boundary lies, right? Because one year of dating, I think, is an accomplishment in any relationship. Any more celebrating any further years of just dating, the connotation becomes negative. It becomes a negative stigma with why haven't you committed long term? Any celebration of outside of one years of date, like people aren't going to applaud you for two years of dating. They're going to ask, why the hell aren't you engaged? Uh, two years, I don't think breeds that. Three, yeah. I think it does. Oh. Two is like, way to go. Your relationship is strong. Three is, okay, how old are you? It's about <laughs> that time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, three years of dating. Okay, you're just 23 years old. Okay, that biological clock's ticking, but, honey. Yes, but three years dating, that's when we got engaged. was like right before our three-year dating anniversary. 
So the, we, we're just we just need to establish a standard as as a as a sex as a male society. There need to be ground rules. Are we just selling the one year anniversary to the significant other, or is there something that it signifies the one year dating anniversary that needs to be acknowledged and needs to be celebrated? I think it's, it's a sales job. I think it's. I think. <laughs> I think it's a thing. I think it's a celebrated thing. If if it's truly the a relationship you care about, it's a celebrated of one year. Of course, you anniversary. care about it. That's Back why you heartless bastard. <laughs> That's why you're taking out to dinner. Like it's no, celebrated. It's, it's celebrated appropriately. Like dinner, like a nice dinner. And I think cooking at home is probably even better than going out for a nice dinner. Yeah, you got a because, nice bottle of wine. You think about what you're going to pair it with. You go through the whole menu of things. Yes. You put some time and effort. The, it's the effort. The effort makes it even better. Even if the food doesn't taste as good, the effort goes the extra. But way. let's talk about why we are here and why we're talking about this. It's not about the dinner and flowers. I think we're all in agreement. That needs to happen. It's justified for the one-year dating anniversary. But it's the gift. Yes. Are you going to actually go out and buy a necklace or some earrings or the, the custom 3D tower? Like, what, are you going to put order something on top of what we all feel is necessary, okay. dinner and flowers? In order to answer that question – we have to know what was the Christmas gift. Cause that was, that was what Christmas would have been right at eight months in, right? Christmas would have been eight months in. She got me AirPods. I got her a weekend together uh, with horseback riding and we got a hotel and we went oh, to dinner yeah. and all of Damn, that. Yeah, baby. I mean, that's uh that's a heck of a first Christmas. Now, that's what are you going to do for next Christmas? A great sales job. Right I'm shit out of luck for next <laughs> Christmas because I blew my shot on the first one. This is the problem that we're having. I have you no. Know, it's 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 a wonderful it's a wonderful relationship to be with, uh, be in because there is somebody who is thoughtful and who goes beyond beyond the standard. Right, the standard would be dinner and flowers, nice evening together. This is the thing that everybody would do. But I have a very thoughtful individual who is in this relationship with me and always wants to be thinking of, well, what what do you need? What could you use? What will help you? Always thinking above and beyond. Now that also requires me to think above and beyond and it pushes the it pushes the scale. It's almost like an arms race. Who can outgift give I'll, the other I'll make one? sure who is to the say more this thoughtful? Though, but because she is so thoughtful don't worry about how much you're spending. Yeah, it's not it, could, it could be no. the cheapest thing possible, but it's about all the thought. You know what? It's thought. It's it's either writing a letter. I'm telling you what, how happy you've made me over the last year or a yeah. poem and coming up with something like that. Now, you know, we're on a whole nother level of night moves. I mean, I could reach the magic bucket and tell you to go write 12 bars of rap lyrics for, uh, for the one year anniversary right there. Oh, she would, she would appreciate that. She would likely film it. And then she would profit off my shame. Yeah. Perfect. Which is why I love her. It's great. I appreciate <laughs> that. So I think good. we've come up with some pretty good ideas, right? I mean, this is A to Z working together. And now it is right. Just like A to Z and everything else. Now it's about the execution. How do you pull it off? This is this is how we go about these things. Now we have found at least some kind of consensus. Should so, what should be the appropriate behavior on a one year on a celebration of one year together in a relationship, whether you call it anniversary or whether you just consider it a nice, significant event of two people sharing time together? I think we've come up with it. It's dinner, it's flowers, and something thoughtful. 
that it doesn't take earrings. You don't have to go to a jewelry store. You don't have to buy her a trip to, to go ride dolphins in the Caribbean. You can you just go something thoughtful. Simple. No, that's the three-year dating anniversary. Then we ride the dolphins. Yeah. Then we then we go to Turks and Caicos, all of these things. I would save that for honeymoon, just, just so you know. Austin Stanley, Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports in the morning. Weekdays, 8 a.m. Central Time is where you find the boys streaming on Facebook Live, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch TV, and A to Z Sports on Instagram. They are everywhere that you can find your best local sports talk on the A to Z Sports streaming network boys i appreciate the insight the words of wisdom from my elders here from two different worlds of dating and relationship experience i feel like we have accomplished a great deal i feel i feel more well-rounded as a male in today's society after this good luck in your execution (laughs) godspeed (laughs) all right that's going to do it for us today on the show shouts to michael kist of bleeding green nation and austin stanley and zach bingham weekdays 8 a.m on the a to z sports streaming network the guys got you covered in more than just sports but in relationship advice turns out as well grateful to them for giving me some time now looking forward to thursday 615 sessions podcast the first round pick of the Tennessee Titans, Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle out of Georgia. He's going to join us on the pod. He's going to stop by for a fun interview that we look forward to having with Isaiah. So make sure that you're sticking around, you're telling a friend, you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the 615 Sessions podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast: Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, all of it. We need you to support this show we also need you guys to stay clean stay safe and stay hot nashville this has been the 615 sessions podcast powered by tennessee tickets brought to you as always by a to z sports and a to z sports nashville.com